You are listening to Elder Law Answers for Attorneys. Elder Law Answers is the leading provider of web-based practice development tools for elder law attorneys. We help firms reach clients with tools designed by elder law attorneys for elder law attorneys. I'm Rebecca Hobbs, the National Director of Elder Law Answers and a practicing elder law attorney in the Philadelphia area. In each episode of Elder Law Answers for Attorneys, we will chat with leading experts in the field of elder law, marketing, and practice development. So in this episode, um, we're going to be continuing our discussion with marketing expert Stacey Clark. So Stacey has been helping lawyers and law firms expand their practices for more than 25 years. She is a former attorney with Morgan Lewis and was the firm's first marketing director. She's also the president of Stacey Clark Marketing, um, a firm that helps law firms grow their businesses. So in our first episode, we discussed marketing do's and don'ts and things that are worth our time and things that are not. Um, in this episode, Stacey and I are going to be discussing a really important topic, um, building a referral network. So welcome, Stacey. Thank you for joining us again. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Um, so I know, you know, some of my best clients that I have come from referrals from other clients. Mm-hmm. How is that something, you know, that we can build as an attorney? What are things as an attorney we can be doing to make sure that our clients are talking about us and talking about us in a, a good way? That's a great question, Rebecca. And basically the maxim out of sight, out of mind works perfectly here. Once you have a client, they should be considered in your view, a client for life. So you want to make sure that even though you have prepared the power of attorney or you uh, have administered an estate or whatever it is that you're doing, that you have a representation that has legs. And what I mean by legs is that you are specifically calendaring out what I call touches. Touches are things that make a client's life personally or professionally better, nicer, more fun. So let's let's do an example here. If I recently had closed a file for a client, the invoice has been paid, the client now thinks I'm done with attorney Stacy Clark. I wouldn't agree with that. What I would do at that point would be calendar out from a month from now a touch. And what does a touch look like? A touch could be me endorsing them in some way on LinkedIn, which is free and something they would find out about. A touch could be me remembering their birthday and sending a card that I have a handwritten note on. And by the way, if you don't have a handwritten note, don't send a card. Mm -hmm. Uh, A touch could be because you've Googled this person's name and their family name that you've read about something in the paper about them because Google Alert has told you that. So you're going to drop them a note. On the anniversary of the finalization of the file, you might send them a gift card. Uh, hope that you're enjoying your retirement. Here's two, Here's a gift card to the local movie theater. Hope you have a great laugh thinking of you and wishing you well. So calendaring out touches at least quarterly for clients whose files you have closed and invoices have been paid is very important to have them keep talking about you. And again, we talked a little bit about this in our last episode about the intake procedure and gathering information. And that can include personal information. Something's going on in their life. Is their spouse ill? 
Is their spouse recovering? Um, do they Are they welcoming a new grandchild? Any kind of personal information that allows you to personalize future communications is fantastic. Hmm. Great points, definitely. You know, and I, I always have people ask me this question, and I'm not sure what the right answer is. I'm hoping you can help me. Um, so you hear different attorneys' views on asking your client for online reviews, yeah. um, you know, or, or some kind of review process that is then posted for others to see. What's your thought on that? Well, that's a very timely question. Um, I just learned the other day that reviews on lawyer websites are being read. Um, that shouldn't be surprising to us because we're probably, if we're going to something like Angie's List or even um, Google, we are also reading reviews that other consumers have posted, negative and positive. Mm -hmm. So I think it's very incumbent upon estate and elder lawyers to realize that the review system exists and to the extent that they, they know that they've had a fantastic relationship with their client, facilitating a great review in such a way that it is not onerous to the client at all and is in fact an enjoyable experience is absolutely great to do. So I have clients that have a little link that they provide on how okay. to us if you'd like to. I love the idea of asking in person. Other clients use a playful postcard that they send out after the engagement. Um, once you have gotten reviews, whether it's on Avvo, Facebook, Google, Yelp, whatever the host is that's reviewing you, it's very important that you constantly check how you're being reviewed. I was listening to a webinar um, that the Nas International Legal Marketing Association plaintiffs group had this earlier in this week, and they talked about the fact that there is now, sorry about that, uh, reputation management software that search engine optimizers who are working on your websites are now using to track negative and positive reviews so that you can stay in touch with what's going on about your reputation on the internet. And that's definitely a subject worth investigating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. You know, and so client referrals, um, one way to get referrals. And then also, you know, when we talk about referrals and building a referral network, um, it's not just clients that are a part of that network. You know, I know some of my other referrals come from other professionals, you know, financial advisors, CPAs. How do we as attorneys build that professional network? Uh, in our first interview, we talked about the concept of what's in it for me, that mm -hmm. everyone right now walks around thinking, hmm, why should I talk to that person? Why should I have lunch with that person? Why should I link in with that person? So given that that is, in my mind, the prevalent state of mind of all people, your referral sources have that same mindset. So when I think about referral sources, and yes, definitely financial planners and accountants uh, and brokers and dealers and really anyone you buy a service from, I tell my clients, go through the Rolodex of your life and see who, who you were in a sorority with or who you went to camp with or high school or who uh, lives in your neighborhood. Who are these folks that all could be possible referral sources? I want to break that down a little bit for you. 
the first category at uh, the most important uh, category we're going to talk about would be accountants slash lawyers. And I'm going to come back to that one. The second group of referral sources that I think everyone should really take a, a Saturday afternoon to look at is who are you buying services from? When you mm -hmm. open up your checkbook, in my case, other than MasterCard and American Express, who are you writing your biggest checks to? Uh, if you uh, are going to the dentist, does the dentist know what you do? Are they available to be an ambassador for your practice as well? Before you get in that chair, talk a little bit about their practice. What kind of new patients are they looking for? And then you can let them open the door to say, and what are you looking for? Tell me about your elder law practice. So I firmly believe that when we are starting to look at our referral networks, we want to look at who we're writing checks to as well and whether they're considering us for referrals uh, indeed. So the first group that we talked about, accountants and lawyers, are hugely important to me. Uh, most of my clients get the majority of their referrals from maybe one or two accountants and definitely other lawyers, particularly lawyers who do not practice in their area. So mm -hmm. where I like to start, so kind of like plan A, is I meet with an attorney and I say, what doesn't your firm do? What practice areas do you have no conflicts with? Oftentimes, it can be some of the consumer practices, personal injury, workers' comp, uh, intellectual property. Uh, those are all, and criminal defense, those are great places to start if your firm doesn't do those things. And what I tell my clients to do is to pick three attorneys for each of those areas. So you want to have a bench that is 3D, as I call it, so okay. that when you are called to give out a referral, you are giving out three names letting them know that you've done it so that three people love and adore you that day. Um, the way I start those conversations is you can go through your law school class and most alumni offices or development offices at law schools will provide you with a list of who is in your class or password access to your class so that you can kind of scan through it, spark old friendships, or even just say, I didn't know you were practicing divorce law. Um, I don't have a divorce lawyer on my bench. I would mm -hmm. love to have lunch and hear about your practice. Remember, it's all about them. Yep. What a great client looks like to you. And then at the end of that conversation, because they're going to have a pulse, they're going to say, oh, thank you so much for thinking about my practice. Now tell me about yours. Mm -hmm. And that's where you inject great information about the pain that you saw for what kind of people. So that's lesson one, is you should have a referral bench that you have wined and dined correctly uh, mm -hmm. for areas that your firm does not practice in. You should also have a bench of elder law attorneys for when and if there are conflicts, obviously. Okay. And I know that you're a tight-knit, very friendly bar, so I think that that will be easy to accomplish. Uh, the second group um, that I'd like my attorneys to look at, other than non-competing lawyers and those within the very bar that they are in, would be, um, if you're in a small firm, it would be big firm lawyers. Big okay. firm lawyers who don't want to take on clients, perhaps at your fee level. So if you went to school with some folks, if you're in a county firm and you went to school with some folks who are now at some of the major center city or other city law firms, um, 
that those would be great places to reach out and say, if you ever have something that's small, and I know if I ever have something that's bet the company, we can be helping each other along those lines. Um, another thing to think about with attorneys is, are there attorneys that you can help with their practices? So in building a great referral network, once you've come up with your bench and once you've identified lawyers that are sending you work on a regular basis, who obviously you're very grateful to, it's mm -hmm. how do you, how do you um, make sure that the referral source knows that you love and adore them and will be thinking about them in ways, including, um, I'm sorry, that was just a post that came through, that you're thinking about them in ways that, again, inure to their benefits so that you remain top of mind status. I like to say to people, there's so much noise out there. There's so mm -hmm. many lawyers trying to get referrals from other lawyers and from accounts. So how do you rise above that noise? The way that you do that is by doing things that inure to that person's personal or professional benefit. As we discussed a moment ago, these touches. And mm -hmm. for the lawyer referral sources, we've got so many in our arsenal that we can use. We can nominate them for super lawyers if we think that they've done a good job and we've seen them in action along the rules of super lawyers. Mm -hmm. We can nominate them for best lawyers in America and let them know that we've done this. We can, um, we can look for ways to promote their practice in our practice. We can identify what maybe the, the law firm's key charity is and support it and let them know that we've done that as well. Uh, we can endorse their skills on LinkedIn, as I mentioned a moment ago. Mm -hmm. uh, we can get to know them personally, remember their birthdays. Uh, if their son or daughter wants to apply to a college that you went to, you could have a conversation with them about that. I know one of the greatest things that I can do for my clients is do something nice for their kids mm -hmm. and remember their kids. Um, you could offer to help them solve a problem of some kind. I've had lawyers help other lawyers with moves, checklists for moves, uh, announcing a new lawyer joining the firm, sharing resources as to how they might be doing that in the most mm -hmm. uh, interesting way. So those are some examples of what's on my checklist of how to make sure that your referral sources know that you love and adore them and so that you rise above the noise of other people looking for referrals as well. Yeah, I think those are great points. And I I always comment, too, that I like working with people that I like. Um, and I, I call it relationship marketing, where you're, you really are learning about those people that are sending referrals to you um, and, you know, the people that you're sending referrals to. You're learning about them and you're developing a relationship with them. Yes, and relationships are where, it at, where it's at with clients and where it's at with referral sources. It's all about, do people feel valued by you? Do people feel loved by you in some important way? As Dennis Snow, a, a consultant that I love to watch videos posted on YouTube from, because I learned so much from him. He's someone who used to be an executive at Disney and talks about the experience of being someone's client. The experience of being someone's referral source is equally important. Are you not just adeptly handling the client and delivering terrific and warm client service. But are you also keeping me as the referral source informed as to how things are going? Are you expeditiously handling the matter? Is, uh, is my client telling you the referral source, this worked out great. Those are all things that you want to have your finger on.
Right, right. And I mean, when we talk about too, like building that network, um, have you seen, you know, in your consulting practice, have you seen attorneys wasting time with certain referral groups or trying to build referrals that just aren't going to turn into anything for them? I really try to focus clients on referral sources that will. So for example, if I have clients that are very active in their church or their synagogue, meeting with the head of the institution and talking about ways to make the parishioners or um, worshipers' lives better. How can your knowledge as a practicing elder law attorney be imparted to their group in such a way that's not necessarily, and of course really isn't, advertising or selling, but is being of help in a Mm -hmm. short and meaningful way? So when I've been working with attorneys to identify referral sources, we've really tried to come up with people who have their finger on the pulse of our target audience and are actively working with clients that we want to engage with as well. But I also Mm -hmm. then hearken back to this, who are you buying a service from? Um, And if your internist doesn't know that you're an elder states attorney, you're missing the boat on a lot of things because you could have synergies with your actual doctor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what do you say? Because, you know, I've always come across there's some attorneys that are just natural at talking about what they do, um, you know, in in a natural way where it doesn't come off as being salesy and pushy. Um, It's just natural. It's just them explaining what they do on a day-to-day basis and hearing from the other people. What tips do you have? Because there's some attorneys that are just, they're just not good at that. I know. (laughs) We call it the 30-second elevator speech. Two people get into an elevator on the 30th floor of a building and they have 30 seconds to become engaged with one another in terms of asking the question of, what do you do? Yeah. Answer back on when you're asked, what do you do, is really important. And so I tell my clients, prepare. Say mm-hmm. it in the mirror. Say it in your car. Uh, I like to uh, have a picture of, of this, the salesman in the raincoat where he opens one side of it and he's selling silverware and he opens the other side <laughs> of the raincoat and he's selling brushes and picture frames and other things like that. Have different versions of your 30-second elevator speech ready to go. Now, it, we just talked about people who are not good at it. Here's mm-hmm. the practice. Here's what you need to do. You need to have one sentence that says what the pain is that you solve for people successfully, period. So if someone were to ask me my 30-second elevator speech, it would be, I help lawyers and law firms grow their businesses. You know who Mm -hmm. I'm helping? The pain is not having a big business. That's what I'm trying to solve. So elder law attorneys need to come up with what is it that people want to buy from an elder attorney or need to buy or have to buy? What is the pain that you are solving and for what kind of people? Hmm. And that's what should be explained in that 30-second elevator speech. So if it's something like, I help mature folks make sure that they don't lose their homes, right. that, that's a wonderful one because then the next sentence is, you do? How do you do mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. That's not selling. It's showing the positive value that you're offering. Right. And starting a conversation, which I think is so key, circling back to that whole building a relationship. Yeah. Great. So along with that, you know, 
we talked about having the the bench, you know, the three deep, um, three attorneys. Um, do you recommend similar approaches when it comes to other professionals as well? Yes, I do. That's a great question. I think you have to look at the world of the client. Again, it's always best to be sitting in the chair of the client and see who's involved in their daily life. And financial planners for sure, accountants for sure, but even more than that, there may be special bankers. There may be um, senior centers that they're active in, that they're going to. They may be part of some sort of support group if their spouse is, is undergoing some sort of long illness or, or, or recovery from injury. So yes, you need to sit in the world of the client and think of all the people that they're interacting with. And I wanna mention something else that's worked for my lawyers pretty well as well, is you can put together referral networks that actually meet face to face. So you can bring to your offices, one accountant, one banker, um, one criminal defense lawyer, one tax attorney, anyone that might hit the life of your client. And all of these people shouldn't compete, but now you as the hub have brought them together saying, let's talk about how we can help one another. And that could lead to not only joint presentations and joint articles, but it could also leave, lead to actually helping one another refer cases to one another. And mm -hmm. when I've done that, I've done them for women partners in law firms who don't compete. And I've done it for within law school classmates who don't compete. When you do this and have face-to-face -face regular meetings, good things can happen. And another thing I'd like to mention that I'm seeing happening within the white collar area is that women are helping women, meaning mm -hmm. the more experienced, um, I don't want to say the elder bar, but the more experienced <laughs> elder bar are teaching the 30 something younger members of the bar about some of the marketing things that really worked for them. And so referral networks are coming out of those discussions as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a great point and honestly a great shift too because I've noticed that climate changing um, where I, f I feel like before, you know, women sometimes didn't necessarily do that. And, and lately I've noticed, especially in the local bar and local areas, a big shift where, um, where that has occurred, which is great. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and the other thing, so I like the idea you you mentioned about forming a network group, you know, picking people and you forming that that group yourself. Um, but there are a lot of networking groups out there. You know, you have um, BNI, you have LATIP, you have all these other like formal networking groups. What do you think of those? Well, I think it's important to have your own networking group that's very specific and laser focused on the kinds of clients you're trying to get. Um, I think those groups are fine if you're passionate about them and if they're making some results for you. So I teach how to network correctly and there's a lot of do's and don'ts and I find that with large groups like that, you really need to go small rather than big in terms of your expectations, uh, in terms of who you're going to meet and who's a member there. And that's why I really prefer that you not just do those one kind of one-off activities or being part right. of those groups, but that you are forming a network that really works for you. And in so doing, it really works for the folks in your network. 
Yeah, I think that's great. So as we get ready to kind of wrap up our discussion on building a referral network, um, you know, and I think we talked about really three different places that we're looking for referrals. We talked about, you know, clients. We talked about those people that you are buying services from or you're opening up your tech book to. And we also talked about the professional referrals, the referrals from accountants and attorneys. What other tips do you have for us as busy practicing elder law attorneys, you know, where should, what should we be focusing in on when we're looking for referrals? Well, I'm going to give you a huge tip that should make you smile. It's make sure your family knows what you do. Um, All of us, I I think there was an expression about seven degrees of separation from Kevin Bacon. And that led to some discussion that now it's five degrees of separation and that all of us have at least 200 people in our personal Rolodex that we interact with on a yearly basis. Um, Those are not hard and fast statistics, but given that, I cannot tell you how many attorneys I work with who are not sharing the joy of what they're accomplishing with their families. And so when you're uh, at some sort of holiday gathering, it's a great time to let them know you guys have friends who are gonna be in this position or you're in this position. There's a lot we can be doing to help you and them. So low hanging fruit, your families. Yeah, great. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Stacey. I really enjoyed our conversation today. Um, You know, as we talked about building a referral network, for our audience out there and our listeners, you can find Stacey on her website, um, stacyclarkmarketing.com. And I'm sure she'd be willing to answer any questions you may have by reaching out to her through her website. Thank you all for listening to Outer Law Answers for Attorneys. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to share it with a friend or a colleague. You can um, subscribe on iTunes and find all of our past episodes at podcast.elderlawanswers.com. See you next time.